Welcome to the CFC Jacks Midweek Podcast, where we discuss topics related to becoming a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. We hope that wherever you are today, you'll be encouraged by the truths discussed in this podcast. Welcome to uh, Q&A. Glad that you've uh, joined us for this time where we get to have a few minutes of some informal conversation with our guest speaker this morning, Dr. John Crutchfield. Uh, If you have a question from the text, there is a a number on the screen, and we would love to have you send in a question, whether it's a question about him or something that he has had experience as a professor or something specifically from Nehemiah or how you might apply Nehemiah chapter three in your life. So uh, as we go, feel free to send a, a question in. Uh, I wanted to jump off. I had a question, first of all, and you may Great. go. So the first one's from you. Yes. The, the, well, it's just a, a question of just kind of understanding. Okay. I don't know what a perfumer actually would have done in Jerusalem. What, what were, are they like perfumers? Like I would think of perfumer they, or what's a they, perfumer? They make perfume. Yeah. yeah. They made it. They made it. Yeah. It's a process of killing animals and and taking certain animal fats, etc. Yeah, and making perfumes. Making so, perfumes. so you're telling me that when people wear perfume, they're they're wearing dead animal juice. Well, on yeah, them? yeah. I mean, look, th- this is the ancient world. There were no showers. <laughs> I mean, you didn't take a shower every day. You didn't have deodorant. People smelled, and yes. perfume was a way to overcome that. Um, problem <laughs> challenge. So it's like the junior hire today who doesn't think they're going to need to shower. They just take that axe spray and spray it on them. And That's right. That's right. To cover it up. That's okay. Right. That's interesting. I'm not sure I would have thought in that day that there would have been perfumers as I, th- I thought maybe it had something to do with the sacrificial system or something like no, that. The, but no, this was just commerce. There's, there's actually an interesting passage in Proverbs chapter seven. It's not a real uplifting passage, but if you remember, <laughs> uh, a woman entices yeah. a young man, and she says, come, I have perfumed my bed. And the point there is people, generally speaking, didn't always smell so good, so you make your bed smell nice. Yeah. She spreads cinnamon all over it. She, you know, and that's, yeah. The perfume, a, yeah. There was a market for yes. perfume. <laughs> All right. Uh, I thought, John, one of the um, really important points you made was the whole issue of some people did more than others. And, and you took that from the text that the same name appeared multiple times. And so they did this section of the wall and this section of the wall. And you drew out the point of comparison, the danger of comparison. So mm-hmm. you've been a professor for 22 years. Over the years as a professor, how have you dealt with the feeling some people get used by the Lord more than other people? I'm sure on a Bible college campus and you have multiple <clears throat> Bible professors I'm sure that it would be a temptation to look around and it seems like, oh, some students really love that professor and and they don't love that professor as much. So on a personal level, uh, anything that you have learned that you would go, 
Mm, here's how I've dealt with the, the danger. I think that's what you called it, the danger of comparison. <clears throat> yes. It's not just professors. It's anybody in ministry can be susceptible to sure. ministerial jealousy and envy and, oh, their person's church is bigger um, or they've written books and I haven't or, yeah. gee, they got a sabbatical. Uh, from ministry at his church. I've never had one, you know, things like that. Um, and I think um, a couple of things. I think that uh, we have to recognize different giftedness, uh, levels of giftedness mm-hmm. between people. And it's a part of just self-acceptance. Um, you know, I always use the musicians as an example because I would love it. I have dreams where I'm singing and people are loving what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and then you wake up. And then I wake up. <laughs> and nobody wants to hear me sing. So um, there are there are things that some, some of us just are not gifted in doing. Mm-hmm. There are natural abilities. And I suspect people were kind of jealous of Paul. He got to float around the Mediterranean basin and plant churches Whereas some other person might have been stuck in a small rural group fellowship, just right. plugging away, sharing the gospel with people in the market, never got a chapter in the book of Acts about them, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they were being faithful to what God had called them to do. Right. Another passage that comes to mind is uh, that passage in John where, where um, Jesus says to Peter, uh, the day will come when people are going to take you somewhere you don't want to go, et cetera, et cetera. And then he looks to John, the Apostle John, and he says, well, yes. what about him? Right. And Jesus essentially says, I'm paraphrasing, let me worry about that. Right. And and I think a lot of times that's what we have to say. Mm-hmm. When we feel, when we have those feelings of inadequacy or uh, envy, uh, first we have to confess them, uh, but ultimately we have to say, that's... That's not my business. That's Jesus' business. And if he chooses to use somebody in crazy ways, right. that's his business. Actually, my job is to rejoice in that, hmm. that he can use somebody in those ways that he is not using me. That's okay. Yeah. I'm content. What Jesus said in John's gospel, rejoice that your name is written. That's enough. Right. Thank you, Lord. And interesting, he actually tells them that after they had finished what you and I would think of as a short-term mission trip, and they were rejoicing in the work that had been done, and he was like, that's that's great. That's okay, but, but... rejoice in this. Yeah. Find your greatest joy and that your sin is forgiven. All right, thanks for sharing. I think that comparison can be a very real issue. Uh, let me uh, move this to now um, another question. Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed. Does that apply to all the New Testament and Scripture that was added later, such as the end of Mark? So, uh, you're familiar, obviously. You get yes. that end of Mark, and you get this parentheses, and then it says... <laughs> the earliest and most reliable manuscripts do not contain Mark. But yeah. Yeah. So what do you do with that? Well, a couple of things. Um, that is a separate issue. That is, 
is the is the longer ending of Mark inspired or not? Well, the quest that's not really the question to ask. The question to ask is: Is it scripture? Right. Because then, if it's scripture, then it is. If it's scripture, it's inspired. Right. If it's not scripture, it's not inspired. And so that actually is is I think is a is a manuscript textual issue. Right. It's it's a decision that has to be made weighing. Uh, the accuracy of various manuscripts, et cetera, right. et cetera. And then when the scholars have made that decision and, and said, we think the ending, the longer ending of Mark is genuine or no, we don't think it is genuine. Right. Then that determines whether or not it's inspired. So do you have a personal view on that? Um, I know Old Testament's your deal, yeah, not New yeah. Testament. I, one of my best friends on the faculty was a, um, Still is a specialist on the Gospel of Mark, huh. and uh, in the discussions I've had with him, Joel Williams is his name. Um, he um, he did not think that the longer uh, ending of Mark was the right one, but there is a shorter, longer ending, <laughs> and he thought that one was probably the accurate. so some of it, not all of yeah. it. He thought yeah. was. There was sufficient manuscript evidence right. to support. Now this is scripture, but I are there if, any Old Testament situations like that? Oh, tons of them. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You're you're catching me flat-footed. Um, I'd have to think <laughs> about it. But yeah, well, not exactly like that, um, or like in John eight, the woman caught in adultery. Right. That's another manuscript mm-hmm. evi- uh, issue. The Hebrew Bible is a different beast in that regard. The text is fairly settled, except for a few places. But I I wanted to get to that same question where they said, "Does this apply to New Testament passage uh, to the to the New Testament?" Because mm-hmm. Paul is writing the New Testament, <laughs> so when he says all Scripture is God breathed, what's in his mind? Old Testament. Sure. So can that verse be taken to apply to New Testament writings? Mm -hmm. And what my answer to that would be, yes, and this is why. He was making a qualitative statement about what Scripture is. Not its definition, but what it is. Hmm. I mean, not its extent. I mean, sure. not, not the canon. Right. He was making a statement about what the nature of Scripture is. And as the canon grew, we just took that God-breathedness and could apply it to okay. New Testament books as well. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. All right, this is kind of uh, going to a completely different uh, category here. What is the process for understanding the great need versus understanding what God is calling you to do? How do you know when to stay in your lane in front of your wall or take on much bigger challenges? Get the question there? Oh, yeah. Does the need constitute the call? Yeah, or... How do you go, all right, I have, a, I have a need right here in front of my wall, but the, the greatness of the need calls me to go, I, I need to go beyond that. How do I sort all that out? 
Well, you can do a couple of things. The way I would do it is consult with people close to me and ask them, talk it through with them. I'm a verbal processor. I would want to sit down with my wife and say, I see this need, I see this need, and I want to contribute to all of it or mm-hmm. some of it and help me think through how much I can do. Right. And that would be something that we would just kind of negotiate together and figure out uh, based on our, our conversation. Um, and, and maybe I should say that that can be that can vary from person to person. You know, you and I have known people who just have a supernatural sense of God has called me to do this, mm-hmm. and and God just doesn't work like that with me. Um, I I sense a calling, but you know, to do a task or sense His calling on my life, but it tends to be pretty logical, right? Whereas some people have a very supernatural sense mm-hmm. of being called to do something that might not appear rational or normal. Uh, God works that way. Yeah. I have to. You're let, not suggesting that He doesn't work that way. You're saying that's, right. that's not been true in your own it's personal. Not been true in my own life. Journey. So no. a part of I mean the issue we're talking about essentially is guidance, right? And. A part of what we have to do as believers is find out that way because we're all, I mean, God is the same, but we are all different. Mm -hmm. And so the way God works in our lives and guides us to some degree has to be tailored to who we are. There's, of course, scripture, Mm -hmm. there's prayer, there's fellowship, there's an internal testimony, all of these circumstances, giftedness, uh, all of these are variables uh, that will right. contribute to that decision. I think in this situation, again, the understanding the great need versus what he's calling you to do, I think of your situation. Would you, well, I won't speak for it, would you consider that God has given you a gift of teaching? Yes. Yeah, I would as well. There's various settings that you could apply that particular gift in meeting the need. And so the person asking this question may go, I have a neat, I have a particular God-given gift, but there's lots, lots of different ways in which to I could employ that gift. Employ that gift. So uh, maybe talk a little bit about as a gifted teacher, you could say, well, I want to be a prof at a Bible college and seminary, or no, I'd like to use that in another setting. I'd like to use that uh, as a teaching pastor in a church. How do you come to that for yourself personally? Yeah, yes. Well, I was pastoring and then applied to be a professor. Right. Um, if I didn't get the job, I would have God's will. Um, but but I understand what the question is. And, <laughs> and I think... For me, I loved preaching back then, you know, 20 years ago when I was pastoring. Um, and, but what, what kind of was a signal to me was I always had this intellectual hunger and a, and a bent, and you can testify to this yes. Yes. <laughs> from our college days, <laughs> um, a hunger to do things, to read things, that weren't even assigned. I, I just got to know this. I got to, I've got to, there was this indescribable itch that I just got to know certain things. Mm-hmm. And I never that, had that itch. Yeah. <laughs> that, 
that led me to to think, well, maybe my maybe the way that my gift, my general calling to ministry is going to be employed is in a more academic setting. Right. And so I pursued that. And there were all sorts of, you know, if you could use the metaphor of a streetlight, um, are you getting green lights as you're driving down the road of life? Are they turning yellow? Are they red? If they're red, you got to mm-hmm. stop. Sure. That's not the way to go. But if you're getting green lights, like when I applied to the rabbinic school, that was, in a sense, a test. Lord, if this is an open door, then let it happen. Mm-hmm. I got accepted. I got a scholarship, you know, money. Right. Um, and doors kept opening. Right. And I sensed that the Lord was leading me through those doors. But if, for example, that door had not opened, then I would have sure. to look at, well, okay, that's not an option. What are the, the options that I still have before me? Right. And there are many pastors who are scholarly and, you know, still exercise that gift as, as a scholar-type teacher. Sure. But aren't in academia. So maybe another way to come at this would be uh, when you looked at that pile of rubble that was uh, put together by, you know, we didn't write that stuff on that. That was individuals in the church who said, here's what breaks my heart about what's true in this world. Uh, if you were to write something on a on a stone, the piece of rubble that you would go, Lord, I would want to, I'd want to be your instrument in addressing this brokenness in the world. What would you write on your rock? Well, I wrote biblical illiter- illiteracy and threw that in you the pile. You put it on the pile. Yeah, yeah. But that, that that's dang, uh, maybe what's lurking behind this is just because something bothers you does not mean God has called you to, I mean, human trafficking right. just breaks my heart. Uh, verbal and other kinds of abuse break my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do not believe God has called me to work in those areas. Based on gifting based, and training. Based on my gifting, my okay. training, and my stage of life, and my responsibilities. There are certain things I can't do. Uh-huh. And, I, and so I feel the heaviness from those things, and I contribute by praying and asking God to raise up people to repair sure. that part of the wall. Right. Because I'm working on my part of the wall, so right. to speak to stay with the Nehemiah theme. Yeah, so, you know, as listeners kind of process this, uh, there's lots of brokenness in the world, and there's lots of things that bother us, break our own hearts. But uh, to your first point, there's specific limited tasks. There's only so much a single person can do in addressing that. And so it wasn't maybe, and this might be helpful, it wasn't necessarily the thing that broke your heart the most that you wrote on your on your piece, it was what breaks your heart and a combination where you think God has gifted you to be able to make a difference in the world. Right, right. You did both at the same time. Right. Yeah. And that might be help, helpful for some who are still wrestling with a lot of things break my heart. So what breaks your heart and how has God gifted you to be able to address that? And so much of that, so much of what goes into that decision-making process is your station in life. Yeah. Where are you? If you're a 20-year-old, you've got 
all sure. sorts of options unhindered yeah. yeah and and you can you can still you're still at a stage where you can determine the kind of training that you're going to do mm-hmm. um whereas if you're 60 and you're seeing retirement come down the road a lot of those decisions have been made but you could maybe start thinking about is there like maybe a little second career i could mm-hmm. have is there with the amount of gas i have left in the tank so to speak mm-hmm. Can I make a contribution in that way? So it's, what if you are married and have six kids? You can't just drop it all and go <laughs> pursue the thing that breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. You've got responsibilities. Yeah. So it's it's all a negotiated looking at what I have before me, what are my options, what do those who love me and know me mm-hmm. say, Um Etc. Sure. Unless there's a burning bush experience. Yes. <laughs> and so, but those are and the outside of the norm. Sometimes right. there's that. All right. That's right. Uh, I had one more question for you, but we're out of time. Thanks for sharing your heart with us and for sharing the scriptures with us. I hope that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. If you have other questions that uh, rise to the surface in your mind, Don't hesitate to text them in and let us know, and we'll do our best to continue to follow up. I want to encourage you, if you weren't here, but you can serve in power-up clubs or serve one Sunday, one hour to help our teachers have a break. That'd be a great thing to help us building our little bit of the wall here at CFC. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CFC Jacks podcast. Be sure to watch as we release new teachings weekly, along with additional content during the week. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.cfcjacks.com. Thanks for listening.